Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dustin Dozier. I'm the minister of students here, and I get the awesome privilege of leading uh, this incredible group of students right here in front in front of you. And um, we have been on an incredible journey over the last, I guess, two and a half days. I don't know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I don't even know. Is today Sunday? Uh, we're here. So uh, it has been an incredible, incredible weekend um, where our students stay in host homes and experience um, really small group and worship like we just heard. And um, give it up for the, the campus band one more time. Uh, they, they have led us so well this weekend. We brought in a guest speaker, Jody Jennings, um, who is actually uh, the BCM slash BDSU director at North Greenville and uh, was an incredible journey and just thankful for our partnership with the university there. And, um, but a couple things I just wanted to say is one, thank you church, that as a church, this is a huge um, blessing to unify together in pouring into our students. And some of you, you provided through your life groups some, whether it was a box of bag chips to some bottled water to ice cream. Um, thank you so much for doing that. Some of you from all uh, generations and all life groups, you provided scholarship funds uh, for um, some of our students who that gets in the way, the financial hardship gets in the way for them, uh, for that barrier to be broken down and for them to experience um, an incredible weekend. And then also our host homes. Um, I don't know the exact number, um, but I think it's like 20 something, like maybe like 25 different homes where you have opened up to your house and said, sure, We'll have 15 sixth grade boys that smell um, come into our house and eat us out of house and home. So now you have to go to Costco. Um, so you're welcome, all right, for the grocery bill. But I wanted to recognize this morning just a, a couple people. Um, I always like to do this, not that they would ask for it. But if you were a leader this weekend of leading these students, will you just stand? Will you just stand up? Give it up. Um, you, you guys can, can have a seat. These guys are really the champions of this weekend because um, some of them, one of the groups, they went to bed Friday. Well, they got here Friday, stayed up till four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, and so I don't know what they're talking about. Hopefully God. But um, anyway, they're having great relational value there. And these are the champions just digging deep into the word of God because I'm huge about authentic community happens in circles, not rows. And so in those circles, they're digging in and talking about and being transparent about the struggles in their faith and talking about that. So thank you so much. And then um, she wouldn't want me to do this too, but uh, my assistant, Amanda McKenna, is a rock star. I'm not sure where she's at, right here. And, um, and she has done a great job because I'm just going to tell you, it, would, it stresses me out, mainly because I've, I have ADD, okay? But to sit down and take 170 plus students and based on their roommate preferences, and based on leaders and their car capacity, based on host homes and how many people they can sleep, and try to put this Rubik's Cube together on an Excel spreadsheet 
is a lot of work. <laughs> it's not perfect. It's not easy. And Amanda has done a great job with that. So thank you, um, Amanda. Yes. <clears throat> and, and so this, this weekend, we've been challenging our students with the theme of next level. And what that kind of really means um, through the course of the weekend is taking our relationship with God, no matter where we're at on the spectrum, to the next level. And so that might be for someone who doesn't have a relationship with God, for a student who maybe they know of God and they kind of know of church, but yet they're, they're not in a relationship with him. The next step, the next level is to say, okay... Let me enter into a relationship with God. Let me dig in deep and try to figure out who is God? What was Jesus that we just sang about that he came for my sin? Jesus came, died in my place and conquered death so that I can have life. So that's the next level. Then for a lot of our students, it's in kind of in between where they know Jesus. They've known him for a long time, but yet they're just kind of in like this holding pattern of saying, okay, I know the routine, I know the church life, I know that kind of stuff, but the next level is saying, okay, let's dig into scripture. Because this is a great tool that God has given us. And so instead of just saying, I show up at church on Sunday, on Wednesday, whatever, hey, let me dig into God's word and take the next level of my faith by actually listening, reading, and applying it to my life. Then... On the far end, you have students that are already doing all those things, have an intimate relationship with Jesus, but taking it to the next level in their leadership by stepping out and doing something that's totally next level. And so Jody and the band and our group leaders have been walking through this. And today, if you've been following along in our reading plan since January, the beginning of the year, we're on this journey through the first five books of the Bible. And we're going to be covering that throughout the course of the year, but it brings us to a great passage of scripture where the Israelite people are about to go to the next level. It's about to be a new day. And Moses, who's accredited for writing the first five books, known as the Pentateuch, Penta meaning five, five books, okay, no brainer. And in these, this series of books, you have the creation of the world and stuff in Genesis, but then Along the way, Moses gets called out of this burning bush from God. He says, hey, the people of Israel are going, you're going to lead them out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land that I promised your, your, your forefathers, your ancestors, all the way back in Abraham. If you've been on this journey, you know this. <clears throat> and so we come to this place where we're journeying through Moses' life. And Moses gets called. He's like, I'm not even adequate. I can't go to the next level. I can't speak eloquently. I, I mean, who am I? I'm, I'm actually an Israelite. But I was raised in the Egyptian kingdom under King Pharaoh. And so I'm kind of torn and God says, I'm going to use you. I'm going to be with you. And so this leadership comes up out of Moses and, and he goes to the next level. He goes to Pharaoh and Pharaoh's heart is so hardened. He keeps, continues to um, really uh, even more so um, make the hardship of the Israelites harder as in their slavery. And so he says no. And so God brings the 10 plagues. They journey through this. And God spares the Israelites by what's known as the Passover. 
And so from that, Pharaoh says, fine, get out of here. They start to journey out. They get to the Red Sea. You probably know this story if you've been in church at any point in time. Pharaoh changes his mind, comes over, and the miracle happens where God parts the Red Sea. The Israelites go through, and then Pharaoh and his army comes through, and, and the water engulfs them. And so Moses is now leading the Israelites in this journey of 40 years. Now, let me, let me tell you this. I don't know if you know this, because for most of us, when we see, I know for me, when I think of Moses, I think of the Disney movie, Prince of Egypt. Have you ever seen that? Okay, good. It's a good movie. But when I think of Moses, I think of him as like a 20-something, some good-looking lad with Egyptian olive skin. Okay, I don't know. That's weird. But um, that he comes to Pharaoh and he's like, yo, Pharaoh. But guess what? Scripture says, you know how old Moses was when he went to Pharaoh? 80. He was 80. He could have said, nah, I'm just going to collect Social Security and get out of here. <laughs> no. He said, okay, God, I'll do that. At 80 years old, God called him to a next level. So at that point, none of us are exempt, no matter what age, that God can call us to a new level in our faith. And so Moses leads the people through the wilderness. And it brings us to Deuteronomy this morning where Moses is going to challenge the people. And so I wanted to invite Caroline Roller, one of our students, to come up. Give it up for Caroline. Yeah. And let, let us all stand. And we're going to, um, Caroline's going to lead us through the reading of God's word. This is in Deuteronomy 6, uh, chapter 6, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Thank you. Thank you, Caroline. Appreciate that. Y'all can have a seat. So this is known as the Shema, and this is a passage of scripture that from the early days of um, Christianity and, and following God, the Israelites took this to heart because Moses has been through this journey 40 years in the wilderness and him and all the Israelites that he's leading have seen it all. They, they've seen it. They've seen the parting of the Red Sea. But as you can imagine, in a 40-year time frame, the first generation of Israelites might have passed. And so you have another generation of Israelites um, coming up. And so you have a variety of generations that are gathered together. Moses has seen, even though God's people have seen all these incredible miracles, They've experienced the part in the Red Sea. They've seen uh, when they're starving and God provides manna from heaven to come down and feed them. They've seen a rock. They're thirsty. Pour forth water. They've seen those things. They've seen the Ten Commandments. And yet they have been disobedient throughout this journey. And Moses says, hey, listen, here we are in this passage of Scripture where they are right right on the edge of seeing the promised land, 
of coming out of slavery and experiencing God's hand like never before. And they're right there, right at the edge of it. And a new day's coming. Because Moses is about to pass away. And he's about to hand over the reins to Joshua. And so the book of Deuteronomy is this series of challenges that Moses says, hey, I've seen it all. We've been through this. There's different generations together. Let's get on the same page. And I'm going to challenge you in this. Because the grumbling, the unbelief, it needs to go away. Because we're facing a new day. We're coming to a place where we're going to experience Canaan, the promised land that God said was uh, to Abraham and that it's going to be an uh, abundance of goodness and blessing from the Lord. And so we come to this passage as Caroline just uh, read and said, he says, listen, Shema is Hebrew for listen or hear. He says, listen, O Israel. There's only one God. And you need to love him with everything that you have, your heart, mind, and soul. So much so that we cannot make the same mistakes as in the past for the next generation. The next generation, I want to ensure that they don't make those mistakes. And so in order to do that, you have to remind them God is God. To love him with all of your heart, mind, and soul. To remind them how? By putting it, talking about it as you walk, as you lie down. As you're going from place to place, put it on your doorpost, put it on your gates, remind the generation for generations to come that God is faithful, even in our disobedience, that God has been faithful in this. It's a new day. And he is saying to to the Israelites, we have to... We have to hand over the reins to this generation. Don't make the mistakes. I'm handing it over to Joshua. It's a new day. And you can't go into the promised land still thinking and harping on all these things. Now, I don't know about you. um, I love the Olympics. Anybody? Yes? You love the Olympics? Um, uh, My family gives me a hard time because, like, I record the weirdest sports. Like, I record everything in the Olympics. Our DVR was like maxed out during the Winter Olympics. I'm, I found myself, I don't know why, but it was like a phenomenon, like cheering on curling. Did you find yourself, I'm like, yes, men's curling. I don't know what you're doing or how the points work, but for you to get in like some weird, like awkward, like position and like, you know, what I'm talking, how they do that. I, I think I just busted my hip. I don't know how they do that. It's amazing. And you see the, comp- the competition and I become like the biggest American during that. I know it's wrong and I'm Lord, forgive me. But I'm like, when there's a race and Americans are like coming down the mountain, like 65 miles an hour, like, I'm like, you know, here comes Norway. I'm like, fall, fall, fall. And, and my wife's slow. She's like, you can't say that. I'm like, I'm, I said it. I said it. I'm going to say it. And I know that's wrong, but uh, I love the Olympics, but I really, we didn't do so hot in the Winter Olympics, U.S., and that's okay because I'm glad there's competition. I love it, but I love the Summer Olympics, and I grew up in Atlanta, and maybe it's because the 96 Olympics uh, came there and got to experience that, but one of my favorite events um, at the Olympics is watching track and field. I love to see those guys and girls just like get after it on the track. 
They can run so fast. And you have like phenoms like Usain Bolt. That's just, I'm like, how do you run that fast? (laughs) It's amazing. But I think one of the hardest events for track and field are the relays. Now, if you've watched this, you will see, like, say, for instance, um, it's a four by 400. Well, each person in the relay runs 400 uh, meters, which is approximately a lap. And they will run. And then at the end of their first lap, do you know what they do? They have to pass a baton, right? They run their lap. They are at full speed. They're just getting after it. And then they hit this section of their lane, is the only section of of their lane on the track where you can hand off. You can't hand off beforehand, you can't hand off after. It has to be within that section. And the handoff will make or break your time. If you don't have a clean handoff, you're, you're done for. And they call this the blind handoff because this is what's happening. The person that is running the lap is sprinting as fast as they can. You want them at full speed because if you slow down, it eats at the clock. So that person is carrying this baton, running full speed after their next teammate in the relay. They get to that section of the track. Now there is a teammate waiting. What they don't do is that teammate's like, here I am, you know, hand me the baton. And they're like, okay, (laughs) you know, they don't do that. They don't do that. They see them coming. They see the person in front of them coming and they start to build up their speed. Have you seen this? All right. So they're building up their speed and they want to be at full speed while the person behind them is at full speed to make the exchange. And and so you could see in this picture, the blind handoff is called blind because they do not look back at this exchange. Oftentimes, they can drop the baton, you're done. But they have to practice this over and over and over to perfect the handoff of the baton. And so what they do is they view and look straight ahead. They can't. What happens if if you're running and you turn like this to get the handoff, what do you think happens? They slow down. If you're like me, you're going to trip over your feet. (laughs) All right. A lot of times if they, or they don't do this, but if they did this, they would veer into another lane that's disqualified. And so they look ahead at the target full speed ahead and they reach back and they have signal calls on their team and the teammate behind them set hands them the baton. They get it and they go. And I use this example because Moses is essentially handing the baton and saying, run hard after Jesus. He's saying, you need to talk about these things. You need to hand the baton. Moms and dads, hand the baton to the next generation. Grandparents, hand the baton to the next generation. Students, hand the baton. High school, hand it to middle school. Middle school, hand it to elementary. Hand the baton to say, I want you to be following Jesus and I'm going to be running as hard as I possibly can and I want to make such a great transition. I'm going to put this in your hand and you run hard after Jesus. So Moses is saying, we can't sit here because what has ended up happening is the Israelites on the edge of the promised land are saying, It's been so tough. 
Wish we were back in Egypt. At least we had food in Egypt. Maybe, maybe like because of Moses, God's punishing us. We're just going to die in this wilderness. We should have just stayed in Egypt. It wouldn't be this bad. We've been out here. Can you imagine 40 years? And so they're, they're right on the edge of experiencing God's blessing, yet they're grumbling and complaining. And what I want to challenge you guys with today is that as a church, no matter what generation you associate yourself with, we have to take our walk with God to the next level. And the way that we do that is by handing the baton. We say, here you go, students. I know Paul referenced this earlier. I'm not saying I'm, a, I'm against it. I, I hear this a lot, that the students are the future of the church. That is so true. It is. It is so true. But these students right here are the church right now. They're church right now. You can't say, oh, it's my turn. Wait till you're 40. You have kids. Then you can, you can be the church. No, this is the church. It is the future. And if we cannot hand the baton to these middle school and high school students and let them run hard after Jesus in this race, we failed this generation. We failed them. And I think for us where it gets sticky, and I'm just going to be honest, the tension is in our lives, we go to the next level with everything. You get married, that's a, new, that's a next level. Then you have kids, that's, a, that's the next level. Then you, you want a next level maybe in your house. You're tired of living in an apartment, want something a little bit bigger because now you start a family. In your career, you want a promotion. You don't want to be entry level your entire life. You want the next level of pay, amen, okay? You want the next level. We want that. Then when we become grandparents, we want the next level. For our grandkids, we, we go through life doing this, but somehow we miss the mark when it comes to walking with Jesus. We stay at the same level over and over and over. And Moses is saying, you can't stay at that level anymore. You can't stay at that. And I love it because then we see in the gospel of Mark, chapter 12, where there's this scribe. And the scribe was one of the people that knew the law frontwards and backwards. He knew everything. And we come to this, uh, this uh, chapter 12 of Mark, and it says, one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus answered, the most important is hero Israel. He's quoting Deuteronomy. Generations later. And I love it. He says, oh, listen, or hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you're right. The scribe got it. You're right. Teacher, you have truly said that he is, is one. 
And there are no other besides him. And to love him with all of our heart and with all of our understanding and all the strength and to love one neighbor, one's neighbor as oneself is much more, get this, is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, Jesus said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. You want to know why they didn't dare to ask him any more questions? Because Jesus just dropped the mic. He said, that's right. The scribe got it. He knew the law. And he said, you know what? Yeah, you, there is only one God. Love him with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. But then he took it a step further. The scribe said, it's so much more than burnt offerings and sacrifices. It's much more than religion. It's much more than rituals of the church. He says, you want to go to the next level? You want to pass this baton? It's not just about church attendance. If they would just be here. If, you need, if, you, if, you, if, the, if this generation would have perfect attendance on Sunday mornings, they would be on fire. No, we live in a world, let me be real with you. We live in a world, post-modern Christianity is, is alive and well in the sense that people don't care about church. Much less, less they don't care about sin. And so we used to 20 years ago, you need to go to church. You just be in church. God will convict you. No, they don't care. We live in a world that don't care about sin. Sin is normal. It's accepted. But you want to know what's missing? Is the body of Christ loving God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength? Then the second part in saying, love your neighbor as yourself. And so the best way that we can pass this baton to this generations, this generation and generations to come is by loving the Lord in such a way it radiates from our lives. That we are so led by the Spirit that the fruits of the Spirit should come out of our lives, not just staunch Christianity. It is next level living when we say, here you go, I'm passing the baton. So let me tell you what this looks like, mom and dad. Passing the baton to your kids no matter what the age is, it's not just church attendance on Sunday. You can do it. It's hard. Bless my kids for being pastor's kids. <laughs> but you can carve, maybe it's just a simple prayer. You know what this says? Talk about God when you're driving to school. Just tell your kids, get off your phone. <laughs> you don't have to watch, you know, whatever. Disney things is on the TV in your van, turn it off and to say, hey, can I just pray for you to have a great day? Loving your kids at night, kissing them on their, their head and saying, hey, let me just say a little prayer. Here's the easy one. As, as it's spring, my, uh, the azaleas in my yard are going to bloom. That's really nerdy of me. That's what happens when you get in your 30s. You start caring about flowers and then it's birds or something. But say, you see that? God made that. 
In the fall, changing colors. God made that. That's what Moses is saying. Remind people, remind your kids, remind your family of how good God is. You can take the steps to lead your family. Well, guys, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to beat you up. You can go to the next level with your job. You can do it with your family. And church, we can do it together to go to the next level and say, hey, Man, everything it is. Some of you, the next level, you know what? Is serving. Do you know there are, uh, we have a phenomenal kids ministry. And there's kids worship happening right now. And I guarantee you there's probably, I don't know, uh, 10 volunteers down there. And they serve every single week. And most of them two hours. And you passing this baton and saying, you know what? I can serve with kids. I can serve with students. I can, I can hold a baby. I can do that. I can pour into our college students. That's handing the baton, reminding them. Because I think what happens is we get, we get in our area of just saying, hey, let's just show up to church. And we're like, oh, that, that was okay. And we're not feeling connected. We're not doing anything. And so God's saying, hey, in your leadership, step out. Stop being complacent and step into a role of leadership. And Jesus got this, and this is what I love. Here we are on Palm Sunday. You want to talk about next level? The Son of God turns and says, it's the end of my ministry. And on Friday, we celebrate the next level of ultimately putting his life on the line for you and me. So the very least that we can do is to go to the next level in our relationship with God. Then on Sunday, we get an even higher level of celebrating God, Jesus conquering death. So my, my question to you this morning, the band will lead us in a song, is, and I, I love Jody, uh, our speaker for the weekend, challenged us with this. But are you running away from that next level with God? Or are you running towards God? And really, in this passage of Scripture, as Moses is challenging us, he's saying, hey, if, if you just live for yourself and you lead for yourself, in the end, you will have nothing to show for yourself but yourself. It's not all about you. It's about passing this baton. And so are you willing to put the generation behind you, ahead of you, so the gospel can change the lives of so many people? And to take that next step and say, here you go. Here you go. Not, I'm slowing down. I'm going to get right here and be like, want it? Want it? Want it? <laughs> no. And we're not going to say, you know what I think we do sometimes? I'm guilty of this with my kids. I run, I'm running so hard. I, I, I see my kids as a dad and I want to hand that baton. And you know what I do? I go, I drop it. Because the thing is, the Israelites, to leave a legacy, they were so focused on the past. Look, those things are important. They challenged their faith and ultimately God did amazing things. I'm not discounting that. But really to leave a legacy... You have to lead ahead, not look behind. You have to make that transition. You have to look ahead at the course and say, here's the gospel. Here's the mission. I'm, looking, I'm not looking behind. Hand me the baton and get after it. And we can run hard after Jesus together. And so as we, we're going to sing this last song, 
This is a time for you to commit. Maybe you just want to ask God to show you how you can pass the baton to your own family, to this generation, to the church. Because you know what? God is pursuing you. He's running after you. You know why? Because he loves you. So much so that his reckless love in Jesus came and went after you. A couple years ago, I preached um, on the prodigal of the lost sheep. And I I love this song that we're about to see because it hits on this. If it's just the one person running after, and I'm going to share this as as the last thing. This generation right here, let me tell you how proud I am of it. I'm going to do this real quick. Yesterday during activities, we gave every student $15 and said, go do whatever you want. Here's some activities. You can go to Frankie's Fun Park. You can go bowling, roller sports, whatever. Let me tell you what a couple of our groups did. 12th grade girls, you know what they did? They used their money and went and bought cookies from the store. Now, they didn't invite me to eat, okay? But you know what they did? They delivered the cookies on their own to Pelham Medical Center to help and just cheer up patients and workers and nurses. 11th grade girls, you know what they did? They fed the homeless. They could have done anything. They could have went to the pavilion and ice skated. They could have just whatever. Went to Starbucks and got a $7 frappuccino. I don't know. They fed the homeless. Now get this. You want to talk about next level? Let me tell you what our 6th grade boys, 11 year olds, you know what they did? They did two things, actually. They went to Walmart at Taylor's. They invited people to Easter service with our invite cards. But you know what? They collected some of their money. I think it was around 100 bucks. They went to Chick-fil-A, gave it to Chick-fil-A and said, hey, will you just bless people by paying for their drive through meals and invite them to Easter service? They helped people. They prayed for the homeless. That's next level. The gen- this generation, everybody's like, oh, they're just punks. They're just addicted to their phone. No. They want a greater cause, and what a great way to do that together as a church and handing that baton. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for Moses' words and challenging the Israelites to the next level of living. And Father, you, ch- you challenge us to pass the baton. You challenge us to next level. And so I pray that wherever we're at in our walk with God this morning, that we take a step to the next level. And the only way we can do that is because you are constantly pursuing us out of your love. And so as that transfers to our lives and a relationship with you, Father, I pray we do the same thing, that we then pursue others. Other generations, other service opportunities, others that don't know you to the next level. Use us, Father. But it's all because of your love for us. Let us run hard after the one. Let us run hard after those who need you. In your son's name, amen. Hey, let's stand up together. Let's respond to this song. If you need to talk to somebody, you can come up front and pray. If you, just, if you want to join the church, you could do that. Maybe it's the next step in baptism. We would love to hear from you, but let's worship together.